Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. It is now my pleasure to introduce our main essay speaker for this evening. He comes to us from the San Diego area. He has been an essay since 1996, where he has been committed to working his program and being of service. He says he's been happily married for 34 years, thanks to the SA program. Let's give JW a warm welcome. Hi. My name is J.W. for the purpose of this recording, and I am definitely a sexaholic of the hopeless variety. Yeah, you can see. It's all right now. <laughs> anyway, um, I guess that the process of sharing uh, for everybody here is just for me to share a little bit about my experience, strength, and hope, specifically what I was like what has happened to me, and what I am like now. And I do want to talk about the last part just as a footnote first. How I am now is how I am now. It's not how I'm going to stay. This is an ongoing work in progress as far as I can tell. It goes on and on and on. Because if it doesn't go forward, my experience is it goes backwards. It doesn't stay still. Never does. So what was I like? Um, I was hopeless. I was... Uh, I, I don't want to go back into the whole childhood stuff too much. Let's just say that I've always had proclivities towards sexaholism since childhood. But kind of what was happening that got me to SA was that I was uh, waking up in the middle of the night to go in the bathroom and grab some porn so that I could go back to sleep and then wake up the next morning and the whole day was about sex addiction. The whole day. I don't know how work or anything else got fit into it. I really don't know. I'm talking about when I'm driving, I'm looking at magazines and masturbating. I'm going to strip clubs. I'm looking for prostitutes. This is going on all the time. And I, at times don't want to do it anymore and other times I want to do it all the time and I you can tell which one is winning is the one of, is the part of me that just does it because I cannot do anything else and I don't get that yet I think I'm just doing this and I don't know what it is and uh, when I was single all my acting out and everything that I did I just thought that was just fine I was okay. It didn't bother me. 
I had a feeling that I was a pretty good guy that just had kind of an unusual way to have a, a sexual life. When I got married, it started to really be a conflict. And uh, I, I found myself at pains because, I mean, I'm, I'm a songwriter. I wrote a song once to my wife that she didn't even know what it was about at the time that was about that, I know I'm going to lose you. I know I can't stay married to you. And I was really feeling at that time like I was in love with her. I go in and out of feeling I'm in love with anybody because I'm self-centered. But I could really feel that. And, you know, I I got involved in uh, therapy. And I saw a therapist, a psychiatrist for a full year. And uh, at the end of that time, I, I, he said, I think you're ready to, to go on your own. I said, yeah, I do too, because I wasn't seeing prostitutes for that whole year. Everything else was ongoing, including, well, lots was going on. And then this is a phenomenon that if you're a sexaholic who cruises, you understand what I'm about to say. The car just started driving to those neighborhoods. It didn't pick up anybody. It just drove through them. And then it drove through them and picked someone out and told her to get out. I can't do this. And then finally, boom. And it was like, I remember the thing I've noticed about from my experience with my addiction, using my own power to try and stop it or control it in any way, it reasserts itself and it becomes stronger. I don't defeat it. It defeats me even more. So, you know, this is a... It's a monster, but I don't know that it's that different from other addictions. I, I, I don't know. But uh, I remember I was talking in a group earlier today about this. I had uh, really struggled to, to stop. And I, well, this is a story I didn't tell this afternoon. I, w- I had decided that I couldn't have pornography anymore because it led to going to prostitutes, which was just really, I couldn't do that in my marriage. That's what that's what I thought the problem was, going to prostitutes. But I couldn't have porn, because then I couldn't not go to prostitutes. So I I quit buying porn. I got rid of my, all my porn, and I was free of porn for a very long time. I'm not sure whether it was one week or two. <laughs> it felt like a long time. And then I saw the liquor store that I used to get porn. I go, I'll just go see if they still have it. I won't touch it. (laughs) Then I'm out in the car. I'm gone. And I hear this voice inside me say, don't ever do that again. Don't ever try and stop me again. I was like, there's like something demonic inside me that's just like taking control. And, And every time that I try and assert myself, it gets stronger one time we were moving and I didn't uh, have any acting out for 10 days. And uh, I thought, I think I got it. But once again, large time scale. Now I'm not taking it one day at a time. I'm talking about I got 10 days and that's it. And uh, my wife stayed at the new place to unpack and I went back to the place to clean just the bathroom. The bathroom of all rooms. My God, for a sexaholic to go back by himself and clean. And I came out of the bathroom, like they say in A, just pounding, like, what the hell happened? I could never get any relief from it. Because that's the, uh, that's my experience of what, uh, sexaholism is, is that, uh, I can't control it. Every time I try to stop it, 
I find out even more deeply that I can't. I call it the uh, the addiction is uh, having no choice. The element of choice doesn't exist for a sexaholic on their own. I'm a diet-in-the-wool sexaholic, as you can tell. I, um, I'm going to fast-forward real quickly and just tell you a little story that happened where um, this guy who became my sponsor many years later, when I got my one-year chip, he said, oh, I thought he was laughing at me. He said, I can't believe you got sober a year. And he went on my resentment list like, screw you, you know. It's like, I worked hard for this. And then many, many years later, he is my sponsor. And I said, I got a resentment. You're on my resentment list. And I said, remember that time when I got sober and you told me that? And he goes, oh, my God. He goes, you misunderstood me. I meant, I've seen guys like you before. You never get well. I was telling you, you're a miracle. I wasn't putting you down at all. Wow. So what happened? How, 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 how can a person go from being like that, being 24-7, no days off, no time for good behavior, 10 days max off, maybe a week or two, not looking at porn? How can a guy go from that to being uh, really sober? Well, I... I didn't. <laughs> I, I told my wife that I was all better having gone to some other SA meetings and uh, pretended to be that way for about five years. And then one day she had met a friend who disclosed to her that she went to one of the S programs and she told her friend that, oh, that's interesting. My husband used to, but he doesn't have to go anymore. And she said, well, that's very unusual because most addicts pretty much have to spend their life in recovery. And... Uh, Saturday morning in May, my wife says, just shut the door. I want to ask you something real quick. Have you acted out since we've been living here, which had been about five years at the time, at all? And she tells me that my face went white. And I remember I looked at her and I said, honey, I'm in so deep I can't see. So she went away for the weekend I figured I'd better go back to SA and get a sponsor and work the program. And uh, huh. So she comes back from visiting her sister, and we're lying on the bed, looking at the ceiling, not at each other, and she says, one of us has to leave, and I don't think that it should be me. We had two kids, two young children. And I said, no, uh, I'm not going to leave, and you're not going to leave. I'm going to go to SA, I'm going to get a sponsor, and I'm going to get well. I'm going to recover. And I heard her, without any words, go, at last, he's coming to SA, he's going to recover, everything's going to be okay. Uh, years later, she told me what she really thought was, oh, shit, how am I going to get this guy out of the house? <laughs> you know Paula. <laughs> or PW, perhaps. Trying to be anonymous on these recordings, because I've heard some of our stuff on YouTube, so... Anyway, anybody who knows my voice will know who I am anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> where was I? Paula. Yeah, I came to SA in 1996. I think it was, uh, must have been May. And I, uh, got a, a guy who became one of my best friends in the world, became my sponsor and helped me get me sober, introduced me to daily sobriety renewals, and we started uh, doing those. And uh, how are we doing for time? Got plenty of time? Wrong answer. Okay. Uh, so, and he started taking me through the steps. 
and uh, started teaching me about getting involved in service. And uh, I started sponsoring people, and I got about four years of sobriety. Now, my current sobriety date is June 3rd of 11. Came in in May of 96. I got sober the first time, I think, in July of 96. It was very, very difficult, but I got it. And then I threw it away. And I'm, I'll be frank with you, I have no ability to analyze what happened. But I think what happened was that um, my program... Yeah, that's what it was. It was my program. <laughs> it was the program, kind of, sort of, but it was really my program. It really didn't have a lot of God. It had a hell of a lot of ego, and I became a guru. And I remember speaking once, and some guy saying after, oh, the guru is talking, because I can do that. I don't like to do that anymore. So um, I had rela- I relapsed on and off. Get two or three years at a time. And, and that, again, reestablishes for me one of the most important critical points of all of recovery concerning the first step, and that is that I cannot keep myself sober. doesn't matter how long I've been sober. Somebody in this room today will find themselves not sober within a year that is sure that they're never going to go again. I just know that. It's the way it works. So... My wife told me, she said, you know, you have this deal where you get sober for two or three years and then you go out, back out again. And I was, I wasn't going to prostitutes. I didn't do that in the scripture. I was just looking at porn and masturbating. But, uh, it was demoralizing. And then, uh, I, this last time that I relapsed, I came very close to truly going back out there, out there, out there, like, Maybe not ever being able to come back again. I don't know. And uh, I think I broke. I did something that I knew I was never going to have to do because I knew from experience that it didn't work. Because I'd been through several therapists and it really didn't work. But there's this guy in San Diego that's pretty good with essays. And I finally I called him and said, I need help. I was willing to go to any lengths to find help in and out of the program to accept outside help as well as inside help. And uh, probably that situation saved my life. Saved my life. Uh, I swear to God, the first thing that that person said to me is, where is God in all of this? I don't hear any God in your story. I was like, oh, wow. Then he said, can I put my hand on your heart? And he put his hand on my heart just to jumpstart my heart. I I literally felt like I was being jumpstarted back to life. So, where I'm at now, I think I'm in the best place I've ever been in recovery. I'm really, really amazed. I'm going through the steps again. I'm doing the steps in in uh, tremendous uh, detail and scope with uh, a man who works with us over the phone and takes people from all different programs. Because once you get past step one, pretty much steps are the steps. And uh, doing some really deep fourth step work right now. And I, I'm beginning to see that I, I have more amends to make to my wife than I knew about. And I don't know exactly what they are or how I'm going to make them. I can just see that I need to make them. And that I will make them when the time is right. 
The other thing that I'm experiencing is I'm, I'm seeing that I have very uh, a lot of really self-defeating programs inside my head that I'm very pessimistic, very down on myself, very hard on myself. I'm very cold uh, to myself and other people. And uh, I'm just seeing more and more that um, that's just a story. That's just a story. That's a story that I tell myself that I believe. And it has to do a lot with being victim and feeling trapped. Maybe stuff for another program. <laughs> but uh, I feel great hope. And I cannot explain that. I think that it has to do with... Um, coming again uh, to the end of myself to where I can't go any further and it's not working and I have to let go and let God and accept help from other people. And then also what's really different uh, for me in relationships to the steps and and like being a speaker tonight is that uh, I think for me speaking has always been kind of an ego trip. Look at me, look at me, look at me kind of thing. And uh, I don't know whether I'm coming across that way today or not, but in my heart it's like I'm just trying to tell my story and hope to God that it's useful for whoever it's useful for. That's it. And uh, I remember a guy in uh, one recovery program once said, he said, you know, uh, you may carry the message, but remember God delivers the message. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I hope that you heard something that you needed to hear. My name is... For the purpose of this recording, JW, I'm definitely a sexaholic, and thank you very much for uh, for coming this weekend. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.